Ross Hansen does it all. He's an actor, screenwriter, producer, and comedian who also dances and sings, creates commercials, and who some might know as Crazy Legs, the children's entertainer. Film Freeway describes Hansen as someone who brings rhythmic feel and comedic sense of timing to his work. He also writes stories with clear vision, signature transitions, and has a wonderful sense of storytelling. His production company, Hence Films, has produced award-winning projects. His unique sense of style can be seen in his Ross the Boss sitcom series, among other creations. Please welcome Ross Hansen. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Yay! Very good intro, thank you. <laughs> that was great. Because you're from Essex, and I was reading about Essex, and British's oldest competition is there, which is crazy, since 1104, the Flinch Trials, which pits Mm -hmm. married couples against each other to prove their loyalty, and then the winner gets a flitch of bacon. What the heck is a flitch of bacon? And I want to know if this is televised. <laughs> I, I don't know. That one, that one's a miss for me. I don't get into that realm of that side of things. The one that I do know is Towie, which is sounds very similar to that, but it's kind of a TV show that's put together to show real events of relationships and friendships. But there is, they say there's no script, but there is a tweak of the the camera guy always seems to be in the right place at the right time for the right argument or the person cheating on someone or someone going behind someone's back in their business. So it's not scripted, but I think there's a light storyline that they tend to set them up on and uh, they have to deal with it as they go along. That's my vision of it. But again, it's not something that I am heavily into. I actually know people have been in it, but it's not. It's not something on my TV screen. It seems like comedic gold to me. There's <laughs> definitely, I mean, it's, it's got a big following over here. I mean, it really has put, I hate to say it's put Essex on the map, but it really, really has. Um, <laughs> amongst other things that we at the Essex are known for. Essex becoming like the new kind of entertainment central. There's, there's a lot coming out of Essex. It, just for people that don't know where it is in the UK, it's just been, it, like to southeast of, of London. Part of Essex actually connects to London. So, and, and then people that are in that part will say they're from London, not not Essex. So, because it just sounds better, especially when you're talking to people from overseas, you know, where you're from. Oh, I'm from London. They, they know where it is. But now you say to some people way over in L.A., like friends of mine, I'll say, oh, Essex. They'll be like, oh, Towie. I'm like, yeah, but that's but no, but that's not who I am. That's an exaggerated version of of who's from here. And they all, they all talk like like that a little bit in it and they mm. they extend their work it's all very like you know what i'm saying it's that's how it is it's that kind of thing chris pratt does a, an incredible impression actually so yeah so it's kind of like the that, hood <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of the hood to be fair it's the, okay. it's the, plastic, it's the plastic side of the hood basically oh, okay. so it's it's as the theater expression goes you know teeth tits and smiles or whatever they say it's it's that kind of thing. So it's yeah, the the plastic surgery has been helpful for these people. So <laughs> in, in, a, in a kind way, some of them it works very well. Some of them gonna be OTT, but oh well, it's what it is. And some are real. Some some are great characters, and there's great people. So 
it has you know as every tv show every reality show whatever it is have your you know likes and dislikes so it's just how you vision it so yeah got no hate towards them being successful is great would i ever step over and say hey on on that type of thing yeah it'd have to be a very big check put it that way so yeah <laughs> exactly well my when the reality stuff reality shows came out what I recall, and you can correct me on this, is it was a result of the SAG Actra. They went on strike and they went on strike for quite a while. So there was no mm. content. So they had to find content somewhere. So they plucked these guys off the street, basically, and made a show out of them. That's what I saw from that. But some of them stuck. I mean, so people liked it, I guess. Yeah. For, for shows recently, in fact, not even recently, over the last, 10 years it's you, i mean you've been looking the last three four years there's shows about anything there's a, 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 yeah. a pottery show on at the minute which was just i, I didn't i didn't watch it but it wasn't my type of thing but obviously there are people that enjoy that type of thing so they they watch them and it's just you have everything from antiques kind of stuff to pottery to a reality based whatever to a cheating show to dating in the dark and now a really weird one over here which is um I can't remember what it's actually called, but dating naked or something. Or oh god! And there's a new well, one: at adopting adults. <laughs> I mean, there you go. That's covered covered the board. So there, if there is literally a show about everything. It's just, do you come across it? There's so much content out there now for everyone to watch. So there's something literally for everyone. And if there's not, they're probably working on it now. Yeah, so. exactly. What do you like to do the best? Write, act, produce, comedy, all of it. <laughs> I I enjoy the creating side of it. So anything that I'm creating, whether that be a character that I'm creating for my acting, whether that be something that I'm creating in a dialogue or a script sense of, of like the writing side, and whether that be that I'm creating the picture on screen from a director's kind of point of view, and whether it's making people laugh and creating laughs for a stand-up side of things. So I just love to create. I think that's that's the best answer I can give. Who was the creative that influenced you in the first place to get into the business? Who's the one that you really enjoyed watching when you grew up? Ooh, so when I was younger, I always went to Jim Carrey. Hmm. Was James James Carrey as he was known in In Living Color? So I, I saw like the back end of In Living Color when I was young, just really randomly, and then. I think it was it was probably Ace Ventura. I probably went and saw first. I actually went to the cinema, and my brother wasn't old enough to get into the actual cinema. And my dad had like this popcorn and shake and all this kind of stuff he bought to, to take in with us. And the 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 guy on the door was just so I have to do right by my job, and I can't lose my job. And you know, this teenager at the time, I'm assuming, said, "What's his age?" and he just said, no, he's, he looks too young. He's too young to go in. And then we had to turn away from Ace Ventura and then go and get basically or a refund for all the confessionary. And then what we didn't do was go and, you know, get it on bootleg on VHS. So that was my first experience of uh, Ace Ventura. So from that moment, seeing, you know, Jim do do this outlandish character and stuff like that, I didn't even know I was interested in film or or anything like that, but I knew... He made me laugh. He made me feel good. And it was something that he, 
he takes you to another another dimension, another reality of where this is acceptable in a way, or not even acceptable is not the right word, where this is like the normal. And that was great that you could have that imagination. So as, as a you know teenager growing up, I started to sort of go into that side. So that's when I went into dancing. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. Even when I left college, and we leave obviously college a little bit earlier than, than the US. And we, even when I was going into college, sorry, when I left school going into college, we we I had a choice. I had to do either sound engineering. There was a course for that, and then ironically, there was a a a film course or something. But it was very low down. Not many people knew of it or anything like that. But I didn't have the grades to do either of them courses, so I had to go off and get basically higher higher qualifications to do that course. So then I went and did a dance course, and then I loved that. I just got involved in dance, and that's where my other hero comes into, which is Michael Jackson, because he's just mm. a performer. So you could say that I just really appreciate and love performers and entertainment at its very highest, which to me is, is Michael Jackson and Jim Carrey are for me at that time. Were, and still to this day, the two that I really do look up to in each field. I have my other heroes along the way and who inspires me and stuff. And there's a long list. But them two were, were a big big sculpture in my personality and growing up and, and getting there. And yet I was a, the shyest boy in school. Mm. When people see that they're, they're, they're doing this entertainment, doing stand up, they're like, what is that Ross from, from school? Like he was, you were sitting at the back, didn't say nothing. So, wow. Like they were just impressed. I knew how to turn the microphone on. So and speak into well, it. And that's got to be one of the hardest things you can do. I mean, you got to be nuts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's. I done two. Uh, I done I done a lot of like obviously the open mic nights and doing the uh, first shows and all that kind of stuff. And the, I remember, I do remember my first show actually, and it was literally, it was in like a it was weird. It was actually in a nightclub that they were trying to get a comedy night going for, and they'd brought in some tables, some circle tables, and and some people were invited and stuff like that. So we we had an audience, but it was kind of in a nightclub, and you were kind of off to the side of where the stage was where where next to almost a DJ. So it's really weird setting, but it went really well. So I got, I got a bug for it. And then from then I just carried on doing it. Then I got, had a bit of a break after about four years, which included doing two theater shows. So two sort of, you know, specials as the Americans called them in theaters. So I had them put onto DVD, they were the days. And yeah, then I come away from it to then start focusing on the the acting and I was doing an animation as well called Degree. And then the sketch show closely followed that. And then we're, we're here now and um, just, um, you know, just, so it's just in the way. I'm just oh. just, um, you know, awards along the way, really. So that's, that's yeah. where we're at. So, but yeah, I've, I've found something I love to do of, I, it, and it's not a fixed avenue either. It's not just one thing. You have to do this all the time. It's what I want to do. When I feel that I am want to write, I write. When I you know, get to a point of I, I need to edit something, then I can go and edit and then go back to the writing is very taxing on the brain. So when you're yes. typing away and, and even physical writing sometimes, or I put cue cards up as well. I, use, I do old school when I'm writing a film on, on an actual board with pins and everything. It, it looks like one of them, you know, them kind of, you know, sort of police shows where they're trying mm -hmm. to track down. The, it looks like that is tape, you know, all over the board. This guy circle, he's the main character. These guys going to get, then this going to happen over there and just, yeah. So it's, it's, um, 
enjoying the process of creating uh, to go mm-hmm. back to where we were. That's 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 what it is. So Jim Carrey and Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson taught me how to entertain and perform to a live audience. Not so much with the singing, because I mean I can hold a tune when I want to, but I can't sing. I'd be silly to say I can sing because I really can't. I enjoy people who sing really well. Um, I like to make comedy songs, and th- that you can get away with. Be a little bit off pitch every now and then. And then Jim Carrey just, just yeah. I, I mean, I study his work even now from back then to even stuff that's not as well known, like the the films that he does the drama stuff in as well. Mm. Um, Twenty, I'm going to get the number wrong now. Twenty three, I think it was number twenty three was a film he did, which was a very dark kind of film. All the way to the Ace Ventures, the Masks, the Dumb and Dumber, the Me, Myself and Irene, all of them just really just cracked me up. And then I started looking at his heroes. So I started looking mm-hmm. back and who he looked up to and where he came from. And then that opened up another world for me because then I started looking into the, the black and white era of silent films yeah. and looking back to the Charlie Chaplin and all them kind of people back then. And then I moved on another decade and then see like... Um, people like Jack, Jack Lemon and Norman Wisdom and people like that. And then I was like, oh, okay, so, you know, this this does work, this kind of thing. So I, I enjoyed doing that. That's what I put into my most recent film, my, my short film that I did, which is called Door Sales with Dave. And, I mean, we did um, pretty well. I'll just get that out of the way. Um, we did pretty well. So we won a few a few awards. I've got another eight to go. So <laughs> Awards and that was a really good feeling because then it sort of made it feel like yeah. it was it had been seen like because you do I did a screening over here and we show, showed it to everybody and everyone like was like you know obviously especially family and friends like you don't expect them to like it but you know you kind of feel like they're going to say the best possible thing I think I even had one of my my close uh, family friends um, say that was a family member actually so uh, they said oh that was actually really good like they were shocked it was obviously <laughs> and well done and really you know put together well I think you expect that from family just sort of they never they don't understand what you do and there's that's no fault of their own it's just it's it's hard to explain to people that aren't in the industry and I'm sure there's a lot so is your parents still trying to ask you if you're going to get a real job because that was what I always as a writer that's what you always (laughs) they, they gave up on that a while ago now and I have had some really weird jobs I worked in a fridge on like the you know the the, the sandwich making oh, okay and the, the thing moves along i forget the name for it now the, the, the conveyor belt assembly line <laughs> the conveyor yeah. belt and you just stand there and you have to put on the you know the cucumber and that's your job for the whole whole day is cucumber <laughs> and if you miss a cucumber the line stops everyone looks around to see whose fault it was because like the, the lucy we get- show we get out it literally was and we're like everyone's like who's where's who's doing cucumber you missed a cucumber and then oh, yeah sorry <laughs> and then then it starts again so and the quicker you get it done the quicker you get out and you get paid the same so the idea is to keep the flow going so if you miss one people get a bit annoyed and this started at half four in the morning and i was doing a pizza job the night before doing delivery till like yeah. 12 you know well half 11 12 midnight by the time i got back so that was a crazy thing then monday was uh, dance college and gym in the morning so yeah that was some interesting jobs along the way even, even mcdonald's did a mcdonald's i think that was my first job actually was mcdonald's yeah that taught me about hard work i mean my parents both are very hard working very good work ethic and then when i got into mcdonald's that came through 
on on myself to sort of like I just couldn't let things go. So I had to make sure everything was done the best I could do it, even in McDonald's. And this was way before, like, you know, this was just I just started dance college and this was my part time job, my side job. So but that was they work hard like fast food. They do. That's that's a hard job. They it's hard because it's go, go, go. And it's also hard because they really don't care about you. (laughs) (laughs) I got left on this drive through in the window one. I was left there for eight hours and I was below the age where I should have had a break every four hours. So it got to like the seventh hour and I was going home in an hour anyway. I just walked out and said, I'm going on break. They said, you can't leave window one free. I said, I'd be going for seven hours. You're illegally keeping me on the window. I'm on the rage for that amount of shift. You need to cover it. They're waiting for you to take their order. So I just kind of left. That was the most disobedient I think I was, but in true <laughs> legal form, you know? So yeah, and I still did seven hours straight. Like I was, I didn't complain about that. I just, you know, yeah. put in work. So, which has really helped now because it's, it's really just sort of helped these things pass by. So, what yeah. is that one? <laughs> what is that one, one with, with the, the um, spikes on this, it? This was very good, actually. This is Vegas. So, oh, that way. There you go. So, this is Vegas. And, oh, let me just get the camera. There we go. So, that was a short <laughs> script. Also, from Dave. And that was, yeah, Vegas Awards here. Uh, it's actually called Vegas Movie Awards. And they're, they're great. Um, I mean, every every festival I've entered has been absolutely fantastic with communication. Everything has been really inviting, but they've really been very good, very communicating. They're still emailing now and checking in and offering a digital book kind of thing as well now for testimonials and all sorts of stuff. So they've they've been really like I'll definitely go back and enter another film with them, hundred percent. That's sweet. So yeah. So, so when you're doing the hands films, when you're doing your own creations. What's the mm. process like? How do you decide whether you're going to do it all yourself, the writing and the acting, and then bring some? And how do you decide who to bring in? Mm. But I'm great. <laughs> Sorry, I had a relapse. I would say the creativity <laughs> of what just comes out, just like that. Like it's a spare of the moment thing that gets me started. That's what I did. Uh, so. <laughs> I like to keep it light. I like this to keep awesome. it um, entertaining. And I like, to, I like to see people laugh. Like, if it's just me and you right now and people watching this as well, if they're chuckling and stuff, that that just moves my yeah. soul. I just, you know, and especially nowadays as well, in these current, you know, times, there's it, nothing more priceless than, than that laughter. So for me, if I can be involved from the very beginning of that laughter then I know I get when I get to the very end, I can also adapt it. And what I mean by that is that when I'm writing the script, I can vision what's going on. So if I know I'm going to be the one editing it at this level that I'm at now, where I I do the editing myself, I know that I can get it exactly how, or, or very close to how I want it in my head. So I can pre sort of see everything. And then the next step is obviously when you go and record it. And when you record it, then something else happens in the moment. And then you just Mm. decide on the spot, okay, cool, let's go again. Let's get one like how the script's written and let's try another one like that. So you have then two ideas, two versions, as long as it doesn't change what happens before or after too much. Yeah, and then you see which one kind of looks better. Yeah, then you get to the the editing room 
and then you do something with a sound effect or you put something in with a, a transition or something that you didn't expect to do, or you, you, you get a, a, a problem. And frankly, I have a team that is very good at finding solutions to problems. They don't see them as problems. They see them yeah. as basically solutions. We just haven't fixed yet. So we're going to, we're going to basically fix them really quick. So, and that happened all the way through shooting door sales with Dave and even the sketches that we've done, like they, the, the crew that I had on them were similar crews. So we, we really united and stuff and worked together. So yeah, I think from script, the reason why I like to do that is because I have such a clear vision of what it is that I'm doing. I have wrote other scripts that I have not had as clear a vision. It's been there, but I know it's adaptable to someone else's vision. But there's certain things like the feature film that I'm writing at the moment. It's I'm in the script at the moment. I'm actually writing full transition notes for myself, mm. which isn't really meant to be in a screenplay script. It's meant to be basically, you know, quick uh, notes of transition just to show that we've transitioned to somewhere else and a new scene for basically the actors to read through and the crew to read through that they understand what they need to do on the day. I'm already writing in what I need to do when I edit it just because I've had that vision. I think, oh, that's good. That's a good idea. Let me write that in so I know where the camera's going to go and what's going to happen. Do we need to transition, you know, do we need to transition down and then come back up? <laughs> you know? So I like to be very visual, as you can see. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's my process, really. I've, I've soaked the keyboard. It's not looking good. So if it's... <laughs> Did Ow. you find that the pandemic, when, when everything was locked down and even just the last couple of years, have you found it? I know it's affected Broadway a lot and, and theater a lot. So how how had it affected you? And, you know, it had to be a little quite, it's a quite difficult time for creatives. Yeah, it's it was, I mean, it is still an interesting time. So, And yet this is what we all need when we're in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's really weird i i kind of <clears throat> there there was I, I mean people may really look at me as if i just sounds crazy but i enjoyed probably 80 percent of lockdown yeah me too quite high figure <laughs> that people probably think of, well you you haven't got kids mate you know <laughs> true that might to figure the other way that might be a bit 20 percent they've enjoyed it but i know everyone enjoyed it when they first started like everyone's like yeah we got work off and we can just wake up in our pajamas and and walk around in our our basketball shorts all day you know that's it's great but no i generally i enjoyed it in the way and that's why i say 80 percent because 80 to even maybe a little bit more than that it gave me time to stop mm. and when i say stop i don't mean like not do anything stop i just mean stop yeah. the things that were basically just on autopilot. So for me, the kids entertainment that I was doing. So when I'm kids entertaining and doing their birthday parties or weddings, um, bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, any, any kind of place where you would have a, a kids entertainer, not so much a clown, mm -hmm. not a clown, but clown is very different to a kids entertainer when you, when you put the two side by side, it's a very different flow. A clown can be there and make people laugh, which is great. A kid's entertainer, the way I do it, is I entertain every single person in the room over a microphone with speakers, and it almost turns into stand-up comedy for the whole family. And mm -hmm. that involves 
dancing, it involves the joke, it involves the magic, it involves the clownness, it involves everything else. The clownness is just one part of a kid's entertainer, as, as I say. There's, there's clowns watching this guy, and oh, that's it, I, I'm finished, I'm finished. Where's, where's <laughs> him dissing clowns and like so <laughs> so anyway so having all that every and i was doing that every weekend and even sometimes through the week just as my you know my alternate um income and that just stopped dead yeah. like there was no gatherings over one household at one point and then it went up to two households and that was still a problem by the time we got to summer in the uk we actually got let out i say let out like we were locked up in prison it kind of felt like that at one point <laughs> we got let out in in a in a two or three household thing which then meant i could do parties at outside in the gardens or in the yards and and basically entertain from afar so <laughs> yeah. i'd be at the end of the garden and everyone else would be down this end looking at it just it was just a weird setup i did a few through like zoom sort of interactions and stuff i did a quiz through that as well that kind of worked pretty well but it just didn't have the the reason why i got into doing live performance was because of the live performance part the mm. the interact i do stand up still or i've started stand up again you know this last year because i missed that interaction with someone i miss seeing them react sudden and straight away and feeling the energy through a, a a call like say like this or on zoom or you're doing an event on zoom it's very hard to one see everyone laughing at one point because if there's so many boxes you're like trying yeah. to see what's going on and then you're wondering what margaret's doing because she's she's froze <laughs> in position for two, like margaret it's just your signal's gone margaret margaret so yeah so it's all this kind of thing it's and then you, you will comment on something that someone's doing which is what i do at parties and and stand-up stuff and you'll comment on something that you've seen say someone's like picking their nose or so a kid's picking their nose or something or even an adult it happens and you comment on it and then now everyone's trying to find the box that you're looking at <laughs> everyone's not in the same place so everyone's like scattered around so you're trying to where's he who's he talking about who's he oh he's talking about me oh right okay so there's all that side of things. So yeah, lockdowns, I think for that side of things definitely gave me a break from that. And it it didn't need any worry about when it was going to happen again or this or that. Everything just kept getting postponed. That was tiresome. That was, I would have rather have known, like everyone else probably would have rather have known, yeah. we're going to be like this for another, you know, especially lockdowns for a definite six months, maybe a year. So put things back a year because we had to keep postponing. And then this is where then I just took over everything in my office because I just, didn't want to put all that stress on anyone else so and filmmaking when you're putting a film together you've got to work with people <laughs> yeah exactly so and and that side of things stopped as well so literally everything that I was involved in whether it be my a job my b job or my c job it all stopped dead mm. so it definitely made me sit back and realize okay what can I do while I'm at home I did consider yeah. TikTok. I did a few TikToks. I didn't do it like how people really went in with TikToks. So I nearly went that way. I'm still tempted to go that way, but I don't know. I'll see where the wind blows. You'd be good on TikTok. <laughs> I, 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 it's just having the commitment to it. You just, yeah, like any social media, you, you need the commitment. And to I appreciate your- To be YouTube millionaire or TikTok millionaire, you've got to be, you've got to put content yeah, all the time. It's stressful. You yeah. have no other job. <laughs> Literally, it turned into a full time. That's why people took yeah. off in lockdowns because that's what they were doing was TikToks. But it gave me a time to write. So 
It gave me a time mm. to edit, gave me to, to write and get everything ready. And that's when I got Door Salesman Dave finished in a edit state for short film. Because that was originally just going to be a sketch, but it actually turned into a proper short film because I had the material and I had the extra footage to turn it from sketch to a short film. And then I'm so glad I did because, you know, things just went so well. Let me just put these back over here. So, <laughs> you know, it just went really well for us. And yeah, I, I was appreciate that that happened because I don't think I would have gone down that route. And then now that's opened up other doors. So now that I've had that success with Door Salesman Dave all over the world, like we were, you know, we've won things in, in America, the UK, Turkey, all sorts of places, everywhere. And I've just been so flattered that people have understood my quirky comedy sense of humour, especially with Door Salesman Dave, because it is very, it's kind of a... It's different, yeah. <laughs> How did you come up with that concept? I mean, we all have door salesmen, right? <laughs> It was, I mean, if people want to see it, I mean, the trailer's up at the moment. The uh, the, the the real thing will be out soon. We've just got a few more festivals to do. So it will be released this year at some point. I don't know where, because I don't know what we're doing with it at the moment. We might try and look for distribution or we might just go to a social media platform, just put it on there, just so people can actually see it. But the trailer's up. So it's Door Salesman Dave, or type in my name on YouTube and you'll find it through me or through my other thing, which is Hence Films and Hence spelt with H-E-N-S-E because the S is not a C, because it's part of my name, hence the hence. <laughs> I didn't think about the explanation thing when I was creating the name, but anyway, I thought it was really smart, and I thought, oh, now I had to explain it, and it's it's Really? <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, you can find it on YouTube with the trailer. But the idea came from literally, I was I was here with a friend, and we were working on the the animation that we were doing, Degree, that's also on YouTube, and we were, I don't know what we were doing. I think we were doing some writing or something. And the, the uh, there was a knock at the door. And I looked on the camera because the camera's outside. And I see it was basically a, a, a salesman because he had, he had like, a, like a clipboard kind of thing. And, you know, I thought, oh, that's not, that's not anyone I know. And it's not a delivery guy. It's, it's definitely a, a salesman. And I was in the kitchen at the time near the door. So the kitchen is near to the front door. So, and he can see, I've got like glass panels on the front door that are meshed out, but you can see when a shadow passes. So I text <laughs> my friend said, don't move or whispered to him, don't move. That's what he did. Yeah, it was, don't move. It's on the door, don't move, stay where you are. <laughs> so he stayed where he was. I ducked in the kitchen so he couldn't see through the window <laughs> and I waited for him to go. And then later on, we were outside just having a, a chat and a laugh about it. And we were saying, oh, it'd be funny if he comes back, you know, <laughs> he did. out here talking <laughs> about him coming. And then that's when the idea just came. It came from a joint with that. And, and when I say joint, I mean co combination, not an actual spliff. Um, right. A combination of that happening right then. And then there was a character in the animation that had a similar upbeat tone. And that was, that was a character I kind of put the voice to and created anyway, um, as, as guided by the other guys, but it sort of came from there. So I'd already kind of created the character, but just I just opened it up a lot more. So then when we came back inside, the, the guy came back again and, and knocked again, and we just... <laughs> <laughs> so it was just his... 
his his continuation. He didn't want to fail and not get the sale, so he kept coming back. So it was just, it was just. I mean, I felt bad because I kept ducking and diving, but <laughs> so into what we were doing, I just I didn't I didn't have time to to have this conversation with him. So we just ducked, and then we couldn't have anything from the kitchen for the next hour. So. <laughs> We had to make the coffee last, you know. So was, oh, um, that's where it came from. It was literally a true kind of event. And then I just exaggerated <laughs> everything yeah. else, like you know, him kind of popping up in the shower. I mean, it's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. spoiler, but there's more spoilers. So it's it's there's plenty more. Yeah, it's a good trailer. I, I think everybody should look at it. <laughs> Can you talk about your current project? The yes, yeah, so there's a few. So the visitor is one that I just I just acted in actually, which is new for me because the the friend that I had, who's playing the other part, Lydia Lakemore, her name is she. She had the piece written and given to her by someone who wrote it in a before. I think she'd done it before with a previous partner, just in a theatre style, and she wanted to recreate it and put it into this 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 short film. So it's called The Visitor, and then she's then passed that over to me now to to edit i've done my part of the editing and thrown it back to her so now she's going to have a her part of editing just because she's trying to use this as a an experimental kind of piece for herself as as her first short film like dorsal's and david short film that we kind of experimented with that's what she's doing with this one so there's no finished time or, or anything like that it's still kind of in the edit but it was that was very like we had to do a lot of stuff with covid safe things in place which just kind of showed you how easy we had it before because yeah. Dorsals, we did we shot that before you know covid even existed even before it existed elsewhere so i won't say a country name and when they you know had that situation with the the bat yeah i think i think jim carrey had it in Ace <laughs> too. that's the one that escaped the bat out of that cave <laughs> you know that one yeah uh, so yeah, so she's still working on that one. The other project is a feature film that I'm working on now. This is the people, the directors that like inspire me are Edgar Wright. He has a big influence on my style, probably. Guy Ritchie, probably Matthew Vaughan kind of tied in with Guy Ritchie because they did a lot of earlier films together, like Lockstock and, and Snatch. I know Matthew Vaughan was like producer. And I love Snatch, yeah. Yeah, probably like a, an assistant on that anyway. So, and then he went off and did Kingsman. So, that style, that kind of flavor is very, very much what I'm into. And Edgar Wright, when you look at everything from like uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, like them three, the Cornetto trilogy, they call them, with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in, they're, they're very amongst my top, top 10 films. All three of them are in my top 10. And it's just, I just love the way he pieces things together and the way he tells a story and the comic edge to it. And then I love the way Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughan, they, they do their fight scenes and their action mm. as well as their storytelling as well. So that all mashed together kind of has created my own style in itself, as well as my thoughts and, and feelings and passion on top of it. So yeah, it's been been interesting. And then, and then obviously, you know, this is, I can't just say it's just them three. It's like, you know, a mashup right. of everything I've watched from a kid to, to now, even the black and white era all the way through up until to today's film still still inspire me. So, yeah, I just love film. Well, you kind of have to. If you're creative, you kind of have to 
dive into the the medium that you want to be in so i mean it's the same with every every industry or every part of it i guess <clears throat> so given that what do you want people to know about creatives in general i mean other than we're crazy to take such <laughs> to do uh, this life work but <laughs> i'd say to, to be a creative you really have to, first of all, enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't enjoy it and you're just doing it for the money or for another reason. The money? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> you are a comedian. <laughs> so um, it's just, it just won't last. It, it really won't last. Like there's been so i mean there's so many friends and myself as well that just you know we've been in struggling times especially through covid and you just find a way you just find a way for me i went and did a couple of commercial shoots and, and made a couple of videos and stuff when we were just coming out of the second i forget what lockdown we're on anymore but the uh, the second one or third one or fourth fifth i don't know which one and then i started creating these commercials type things which you mentioned at the beginning and that then gave me another outlet for using my time with that and also experimenting and teaching myself how to shoot with a camera, how to get the right exposure, the ISO, the aperture, all these kind of technical things that you need when you're using that equipment. And I'm someone that really does study every element of what I'm doing. So if I am making a film, I'll probably know a little bit about everything and then be a you know a, a high end in certain things on their own editing I, I class myself as a very you know high editor as such like I know what I want to know how to do it and how to work it that helps the direct directing because it, it kind of coincides with the style and what's happening when it comes to color correction and color grading I know enough to get what I need but I wouldn't say I'm a high end where I can sort any problem out like if there's a problem I'm gonna struggle to to do that but I, I know enough that i know how it works the same as on set with the microphone and the sound same with the cameras the lenses that we're using i i have watched so much stuff <laughs> and it's probably why i'm still single so because <laughs> like, if i was in a relationship right now it wouldn't have lasted anyway because i just would dedicate time to youtube you know and masterclass and all these other places that you can get this information and, and books like it's just it's all in there it's just comes out when i need it or i go and get a refresher on it and then then use it when i need to so being a creative i think if you're not passionate about it and you're not really involved in your passion for that creativity it you won't be creative anyway you yeah you'll stop yourself being creative because the pressure is too much because you're doing it for the wrong reason well, there's all these myths too people have about the profession and that there's, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. <laughs> mm. It's, it's only overnight. You struggle for years before you get your first break. Yeah. That, that's why people charge what they charge for their, their, their trade, their craft. Even, even people as, you know, like a, a dentist, dentists are always expensive. They're always expensive. Unless you get a really dodgy one, then, then, but dentists are expensive because they are trained for so long to do what they need to do. Like neurosurgeons, they charge a fortune for what they do because the equipment is so much and their speciality is, is, 
it takes years to learn what they're doing. So they're charging not for the job at hand. They're charging for the years that it's taken to get to that point. The same as lawyers, the same as any of them kind of professions that are really high end money earners as an actual profession. And that's the same as, as, as actors and stuff. Like it takes time. It's, you know, these actors, A-listers, you know, 90% of them are there for the, the right reason, you know, and they, they've been doing a long time. They've, they've practiced and they've studied their craft and they've put so much passion into it that they've lost relationships along the way and, you know, lost loved ones and stuff like that. They ended up being very isolated and, and just completely diving into what they, they want to do. And by doing that, like you said, that's, that's the years that go into it. That's what you're charging for when you give that price for your, for your expertise. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice. I'd say, I mean, it's, it's quite a, a basic one really, but you do hear it a lot. And the person who says it the most is probably myself, which is mm. literally don't stop. Yeah. Cause you don't know. That's good advice. <laughs> You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like you could get that email reply that you've been waiting for. You could, you know, and then that could open up another door. There's, there's, if you're, there's that picture that they always use as a, as a meme. I think it's going around as now and they use it as the, the, the coal, coal miner. And he's, he's digging and he gets to a, a certain point in the, in oh, the yes. tunnel. And then next to him is like a pot of, of gold. But then he's shown walking away. It's just a brick. It's just a brick wall. He can't, you can't see past that. So you just got to know that don't stop because if you do, you don't know if that was yeah. how far away you were. The only, the only time I've come not used that to the best ability and I, I kind of regret not doing it, but not completely because it still developed myself. So I feel like my journeys worked because of it is a standup. When I did mm -hmm. four or five years of it, I was really getting there. And then I, I kind of came away from it because I went to the sketch show, the acting, the the animation and stuff, which was going great. That was a real good push and su success with that. So we did really well and we're still doing well with that. But it, I, to get back on stage and do it again, yeah, that took another, like that was it. That was like starting all over again. Mm. Uh, the only different was that I had more experience and journey. So I don't completely regret anything to do with that and stopping because I made the right choice, I feel for where I need to be. But as far as my stand-up career, I mean, I might still be in the same position. So it's, again, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. So all I would say is, yeah, don't stop. If you have a passion and a burning desire for what you're doing, and regardless of what anyone says, don't stop. Well, thank you so much. This was wonderfully entertaining as well as wonderful meat that you gave us to 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 take away thank you so much <laughs> i hope someone's taken something from it and or someone's taken up coal mining